The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. We are loaded for bear today on the masculine journey seriously we are going to be provoking the impossible and that's what god kind of does with us in so many different ways and it, it, we we've got a a number of ways that that's happened among our team we got uh darren and harold and jim and sam on the phone with us and sam you're the original provoker of this provoking yeah it's uh Coming off the series that we just had, you know, about, you know, some of our movies that God has really spoke to us with over the years, it, it made me think about what are those clips? And really, for me, it's not a whole movie, typically. It's, it's clips. There's a truth of God that really kind of speaks to my heart. And, you know, what are some of those clips that God's reminded me of over the years? You know, I think it's really cool that God can use something, you know, me meant to be commercial, you know, and have it prompt us. And and I've had him do that with a, a few clips, but especially the one that I have today. So, set that up for Sam. Okay, it's from the movie The Matrix, and it may not be a clip that you ever remember watching the movie. Hmm. But and to me, when I watched it, it just struck me. And, and God's reminded me of it several times. And what's happening in this this clip is Neo who's the kind of Reeves character, um, you know, the, uh, the the lead guy in the story, is picked up by a group of rebels in the car, and his friend Trinity's in there with him, and they're trying to talk him into being a part of their adventure or whether they're going to go on on the um, this rebellion together. And he's trying to decide, does he want to go or not? And that's where we pick it up. Wow, and, and to be reminded, that name means a huge deal in this movie. Neo means the new man. Mm -hmm. And so there he is. And we have Trinity, <laughs> you know, kind of guiding him here. So listen closely. Right now, there's only one rule. Our way or the highway. Please, Neo, you have to trust me. Why? Because you have been down there, Neo. You know that road. You know exactly where it ends. And I know that's not where you want to be. There you go, Sam. You've been down yeah. that road. <laughs> you know, for me, it reminds me of the times that God's called me into adventure. And I haven't always recognized it as God calling me into it, but, you know, I tend to not want to step into adventures I can't control very easily. Um, or things that I know can end up safe, you know, as far as like skydiving, you know, the, the statistics show it's pretty safe, something to do, you know, and so I'll take adventures like that, but the adventures in life that really call something out of you, you know, I have a hard time really wanting to go into those at times. And, uh, you know, God's reminded me of this clip over and over to say, you know, those other roads, because Neo's looking to get out of the car, 
when he's talking Trinity, you've been down those roads and you know where they lead, and that's not where you want to be. You know, and the road that I need to be on is the one that God's calling me into this adventure and trust him and walk with him. And it's just a clip that's been used over and over in my life that really speaks volumes of my relationship with God. So provoking the impossible, Darren, you're a kind of a provoking guy. <laughs> I've, I've been called provocative before. Uh, that's one of the better names um that that people have have called me um yeah i you know as as we started talking about this i was glad that sam kind of brought up this topic again and and i i went back through the things that i had been doing for the for this year and one of the things that i've done all year is soak up everything i could on churchill and watch several really boring documentaries that most normal people wouldn't want to watch and watched a, a number of movies and and this was before dunkirk came out and before um others god had kind of had me on this path and i didn't really understand it as a path that god had me on i thought it was just kind of my interest at first but as i was watching some of these one of the films that i watched was called uh, the Gathering Storm, which is about his earlier life before World War II. And the second one is Into the Storm. And both of those are volumes of, of history that have been written about him and uh, and are seemingly fairly accurate. And so in this clip that we're going to play here in a second, it had I had to keep asking myself, why did that clip hook me? Um, why Why that clip? Because it literally brought tears to my eyes the first time I saw it. And it's not a clip that should bring tears to your eyes to most people. But I was sitting there all alone watching this movie. And this that you're going to pick up is when um, Churchill and Halifax are sitting with Chamberlain. And Chamberlain has now determined that he can't lead this country anymore. Um, and he has he invites Churchill and Halifax over, and he starts to talk to Halifax and Churchill, and he, and he immediately says, well, here's the deal. Um, Winston, could you see yourself serving as Minister of Defense under Halifax? And we sped the clip up a little bit, but there's quite a pause in there, and Churchill doesn't say anything. And Chamberlain comes back and asks him again, so so what do you think, man? And and again, he, he pauses, and Halifax finally breaks the silence by saying, I think Winston would be the better choice. And uh, we'll go ahead and play the clip, and then coming out of it, I'll kind of explain why that meant something. I shall resign immediately. One of you will lead the new government, Winston. Would it be possible for you discharge the duties of Minister of Defense under the direction of Edward Halifax as Prime Minister. What is your opinion? I think Winston would be the better choice. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> Mr. Churchill has arrived, sir. Thank you. I feel very uneasy about this. People say he's unreliable. Is that true? Impulsive, sir, might be a kinder word. If only it could have been Lord Halifax, he would have made the most perfect Prime Minister. Perfect. 
At 4.35 this morning, Hitler's troops invaded Holland and Belgium. Our troops and the French are marching north to block the German advance. How many of our men? All of them. An entire army. It's extraordinary coincidence. Hitler attacking the West and you becoming Prime Minister all on the same day. Could be coincidence, sir. Could be destiny. <laughs> so the last part you heard there is King George in, in kind of his first meeting with Churchill. And uh, Churchill's giving him the rundown on what's going on. And King George says, you know, it's really an odd coincidence that you become prime minister today and Hitler invades today. Um, and Hitler says, coincidence, maybe. Could be destiny. And literally at that clip, I had tears in my eyes. And the thought to me was, Darren, you avoid your own glory on a regular basis. You know, God says in Genesis 1 that he created us in his image, and in his image he created man and woman. And then he gives us this whole litany of things to go out and do because we're created in his image, to, to rule and have dominion and have authority and all of these things. And, and this clip started me down a road of a few months, literally searching my soul. Why do I hide from my glory? Well, because I'm scared, A, I'm not going to live up to God's glory because it's not my glory. It's God's glory in me. And I'm afraid I'm not going to live up to that a lot of the times. It may be assaulting to other people when you live up to your glory. It obviously was in Churchill's case. When Churchill led and, and said, I'm destined to do this. People thought it was arrogant. They thought it was cold. They called him a warmonger, everything else. And yet, had Hitler run, I mean, had Churchill run from his glory or the glory of God in him as that destined leader, our lives would be different. And so I had to begin to ask myself how many times have I turned away and not walked in that glory because I was afraid it was going to embarrass me or hurt someone else or I had failed so many times before when I had tried just like Churchill had and uh, Churchill was a horrible guy in a lot of aspects honestly was a jerk of a man in many many ways and yet was a phenomenal leader and understood his place in the larger story right and 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 so we end up with this provoking the impossible which completely provoked you jim <laughs> well the one of the things that has always struck me about god's call is that it is always to do something we cannot see any way of doing of accomplishing all the stories in the bible and one of the ones we talked about before the break was the armor bearer going with Jonathan and two guys attacking a huge contingent of the enemy. But before they went, they were asking God, you know, if this is what you want us to do, do this. And God did, and they were victorious. But you look at that situation, it's impossible. And that is the theme, and I don't, the clock but well, leading talk in talk about blackaby okay well henry blackaby is the first place i heard this and he basically said something to the fact that if god tells you to do something and you can see how to do it 
it's not God mm. because he is going to lead you every step of the way and lead you into accomplishing the impossible. But also lead you into intimacy because you find yourself there on your knees because how in the world? <laughs> you have to rely on him because you don't see any way to do right. anything so else. It's, so that's it's, wonderful. Part of the impossible is the beauty of intimacy and relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting thing I discovered just this morning that reality and relationship have the same root word. Hmm. That reality has to do with the distance between different points and the closer you are to God, the more real things get. So we're going to dream the impossible dream when we come back and Jim's going to give us his interpretation on this wonderful song. Of course, go get registered for the boot camp at MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Hi, this is Sam with Masculine Journey. I'm here with my son, Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way you can go to smile.amazon.com. There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to facebook.com where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to masculinejourneyradio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to P.O. Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. God has set within each of us a masculine heart. Why? Why did he give you that heart? And what does the Christian life have to do with any of that? Come join Masculine Journey Radio for a boot camp, November the 1st through the 4th, based on John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. And when might that be again? That's a great question, Tiny Jim. November the 1st through the 4th. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. To dream the impossible dream To fight the unbeatable foe To bear with unbearable sorrow To run where the brave dare not go The unrightable wrong to love pure and chaste from afar to try when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star this is my quest to follow that star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right, without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause, and I know if I'll only be true. Glorious quest that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when I'm laid to my rest. And the world will be better for this that one man, scorned and covered with scars, still strong. 
I was going to lead off with that, uh, saying that I set the man bar really low with Princess Bride being my movie. So to try to get under that bar, I went with a musical, or if you prefer, a Gomer Pyle episode. But I first heard that song over 50 years ago, and it was a major inspiration for me then. And still, listening to it today, I got goosebumps during the playing of that. And it really is the way I want to live my life. Have I done these things? No. But I do want to strive with my last ounce of courage. And one of the lines that multiple times in my life has hit me hard is to to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. You know, we go through hell in the battle. And it is a battle. And God calls us to that battle. But he is going to be able to achieve the impossible through us, what's impossible for us, because all things are possible with God. And I, like I said, this is many it, it times provokes, throughout my you life. Provoked. You've, I love it. Well, it's just absolutely provoking. And so, Harold, getting to the impossible. I was going to say it emotes as much as it provokes. but. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke, sorry. <laughs> For those of us who don't know what emote means, it comes from the word emotion. I didn't know it earlier, and Jim's been enlarging my vocabulary, as Harold did earlier today with his, his use of texting. But nonetheless, <laughs> speaking of provoking, um, we got a little more Churchill, because you were provoked as well by Churchill. Oh, I'm a huge Churchill fan, in spite of the fact that my friend Darren thinks he's a jerk. Uh, I think that probably other than the Lord Jesus Christ and Apostle Paul, he's my favorite uh, character out of history. Um, I've read his six volumes, History of World War II, and several biographies. So I just I love Churchill. And so set this clip up for us. Uh, this is uh, out of the movie Dunkirk, and it's where Churchill is giving his speech to the country telling them what's coming and what they're going to do about it. Yeah, and I'll set it up a little further that what's happened is, you know, Churchill had the guts to get everybody in the whole country to go get their personal boats to evacuate the army that was totally surrounded at Dunkirk and literally saved the nation. It was an impossible dream just to begin with, to think that you're going to go German bombers and and you know u-boats and all this stuff surrounding dunkirk and now we're going to send these guys with the good ship lollipop in there to go <laughs> save. everyone told him it was impossible and he was concerned too but, it but was here his was only his choice. speech following that uh historic event at dunkirk 
we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We are told, sir, that Herr Hitler has a plan for invading the British Isles. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of his majesty's government. We'll defend to the death their native soil. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Sir Harold, um, and I'd also like to hear from Darren a little of what that that provoked in you. Oh, it, it provoked a lot in me because uh, we have an enemy that makes uh, Hitler look like a schoolyard bully, and uh, we have to fight anywhere that we are. Uh, Churchill tells them, you know, we're going to fight here, there, and everywhere, and we're going to have to fight until the end. And uh, he counts on his empire and on the U.S., the, the New World. Well, we've got a stronger ally than, than that uh, that we can rely on, but we have to fight because God expects us to do our part. And so the enemy's there. He's always looking for ways to destroy us, and, and we've got to fight back. You had a Bible character that you thought spoke specifically oh, yeah. well to this, which was, I thought was oh, yeah. awesome. Uh, if you haven't read Nehemiah lately, uh, go read it. Yeah, uh, and he talks about uh, rebuilding the wall and having people armed while they're working to fight off the enemy. So, they yeah, got a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other, right? Or a chisel. And he put all the men in front of their house. They were building the wall in front of their house, so it made sense to build fast and to protect at the same time. And so he was a genius, and, and, and he Churchill also, was too. And he told them, you know, to fight for their wives, their sons, mm-hmm. their daughters. And so forth. Right, right, which is what Churchill was saying. Same yeah, thing. right. And and that's the thing is, you know, Churchill is he's trying to inspire a country in spite of the fact that most of his advisors have already told him you should give up, you should capitulate, you should give up the island of Malta, you should give up Uganda and uh, another um, area as well, and just give it to Hitler. And and if you'll do that, Mussolini had. You know, because Mussolini was such a trustworthy guy, um, he had said, "You know, I'll, I'll broker a deal for you." And Churchill had turned all of that down, and pretty much everybody in his cabinet, except for his war, except for his generals and admirals and stuff, pretty much everybody else had said, "Yes, this is what we need to do." And uh, even at that time, when Churchill goes and asks to bring out the, you know, the good ship Lollipop. Um, it was funny when he tells the admiral coming out of a, a meeting, hey, I want you to go get all the small boats and everything else. I want you to notify. And the admiral said, it's already been done. 
which is cool, and it's a key that doesn't come out in Dunkirk and some of the other ones, that, that Churchill had some guys around him, like a Harold, who knows what's going on, like a Robbie and like a Jim or a Brian. And a, he had an armor bearer. He had people around him that said, got it, I got your back on this, and... Um, Go fight. So, Sam, it was you were the one who provoked us to the impossible to begin with, so give us your thoughts. I think that as you think back over time and just kind of think of those things that really spoke to your heart, the things in a movie that made your heart jump and a song that made your heart jump and say, God, you know, what are you doing there? Is there something there you want me to know? And it's, it's invariably, it's, it's very cool. I don't know the better word for it than that. What he'll do with that, what he'll open your eyes to, what he'll take you on an adventure, um, what he'll bring life to you with just in prompting and asking and following his lead. Yeah, and other people, interestingly, did that for me. I, Ten years ago, I wouldn't have watched a war movie on a bet, probably, and, and maybe 12 years ago. But today, you know, movies like Hacksaw Ridge and, and Dunkirk and Our Darkest Hour, you know, mm-hmm. bring my heart alive like there's no tomorrow. So there had to be a, some kind of an awakening there that we're in a battle. Yeah, we, you know, we walk around in a battle every single day. And we we forget. I mean, I love the way Harold put it, you know, that Hitler is a schoolyard bully compared to Satan. And we must fight in our streets. We must fight in our churches. We must fight in in this studio sometimes. Um, We must fight. Guys, last night I was fighting in my bedroom. I wasn't fighting my wife. I was fighting temptation while wanting to make love with my wife, quite frankly, and not wanting to allow old memories, past sins, things like that to get in the way of that. And so I'm praying right then and there a warrior prayer while I'm also going after my wife's heart. We have to fight everywhere. Yeah, Churchill didn't say that one. <laughs> he had to fight in the bedroom. But it's definitely, oh my goodness, it's one of Satan's biggest tactics is, is right there. So I'm hoping this provoked something in you. And you're thinking, wow, I'd like to go deeper here. The cool thing is if you come to the boot camp that's coming up November the 1st through the 4th, hopefully it will provoke you to spend more time with the Lord and and through our covenants of silence have a chance to see what he actually wants to speak to your heart. That's coming up November 1st through the 4th. Go to masculinejourneyradio.org. Thank you for listening. We're so honored you joined us. <laughs>